بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد Continuing with the series of lectures on the topic of remedying the tight and heavy chest using the works of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala and likewise Muhammad Daman al-Jami Quick recap of a previous lesson Shaykh Muhammad Daman al-Jami he said and he made a mention of the fact, the principle that it's incumbent for the one who wants to prepare for death he prepares for it by what? How should your attitude be towards death and preparing for death? Huh? Yes, but uh, in addition to that, he made a mention of a certain balance that we're meant to have. What's the thing that he's talking about? Fear, hope, there you are. To be balanced between fear and hope. Thereafter, he made a mention of a an example that we can relate to. Just like he, he made a mention of an example which um, illustrates how Noor expands the chest and alleviates the chest. What's the example that he mentioned? Okay. Oh, you weren't here. Okay, we'll let you off. Oh, you left halfway with you. No problem. So we'll forgive you today. Anybody? The Sheikh, he made an example of something to illustrate to us how Noor alleviates the chest. He gave us a physical example. Of physical light. Just like, phys just like physical light. If you're in a room, you want to read, for, for example. If there's light there, physical light there, there's lighting there. Your chest becomes expanded and alleviated and relaxed. You know what you're reading, you can see, you can see what someone's doing. And in a similar fashion, when the light is absent, when there's darkness in the room, your chest becomes physically, you feel tightened and constrained. And you feel uh, suffocated to a degree. You don't know what's happening around you. So in a similar way, nur of iman, it expands your chest and it alleviates your chest, just like physical light does. Then after that, we uh, mentioned what Ibn Qayyim, he says, another means and another avenue of bringing about relaxation to the chest. And that was, does anybody remember this, the next example that Ibn Qayyim uh, states? Al-ilm, knowledge. Which knowledge? Which knowledge expands the chest? Al-ilm is using the definite article. Religious knowledge. The knowledge that was left behind by the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. That knowledge is what expands the chest. Then he, met, he categorized, he said that knowledge that expands the chest from that, among that knowledge is that which is essential and then you have that knowledge which is Extra, supererogatory. So which knowledge is dururi, essential, a must? For example, like what? Wudu. Ah, what else? That you have no excuse to be ignorant of. Even if you live in Balad al-Kufr, in the land of disbelief. Huh? Praying, how to pray. 
What else are you not excused to be ignorant about? Quran, what do you mean? Okay. Something else, something more, even more important than that. Five pillars, even, okay, more specific. Yeah, he left hand. Uh, yes, your aqidah. Your aqidah. Yani Allah, you need to have knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such knowledge that causes you to worship Him. Such knowledge that causes you to single Him out in worship. You need to have knowledge of Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalam. Such knowledge of Him that causes you to believe in Him as a messenger and to obey Him in what He commands you with and keep away from what He uh, prohibits you from. So that is the ilm dhururi, the necessary knowledge, the essential knowledge. And then you have those other superrogatory matters of knowledge. It's not, it's not mandatory for you to know it. The more you delve into, the, to, into those superrogatory fields of knowledge, the more your chest will become expanded. Such as aqidah. Yani you now go into details and you study about aqidah in detail. Asma wa sifat in detail. You study at tawheed in detail. You study about the angels in detail. Yawm al-akhir in detail. The more that you increase in your knowledge in that regard, the more your chest will expand. Tayyib, <coughs> does that mean that uh, learning other fields of knowledge and discipline is not allowed? No, no doubt. It is permitted, and at times it could be recommended for a person to study a matter of dunyawi uh, knowledge of non-religious knowledge, but the one that is being referred to here, the knowledge that it is, the knowledge that expands the chest, the knowledge that alleviates the chest and brings about relaxation to the heart, is the knowledge that the Messenger of Allah والسلام, left behind. Oh yeah. So now Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, he makes a mention of another sabab, another means, another cause, another avenue by which relaxation to the chest is brought about. He says, وَمِنْهَا الْإِنَابَةَ وَمَحَبَّتُهُ بِكُلِّ الْقَلْبِ Among those means that bring about relaxation to the chest, alleviation to the chest, is inaba, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, turning to Him in repentance, and loving Him, with all of your heart. Shaykh Muhammad Amman al-Jami, he says, حَتَّى لَا يَكُونْ فِي قَلْبِكَ مَحْبُوبٌ سِوَاهُ لَا تُحِبُّ أَحَدًا مَعَ اللَّهِ حَرَامٌ عَلَىٰ قَلْبٍ أَنْ يَجْمَعْ مَحَبَّةَ اللَّهِ وَمَحَبَّةَ غَيْرِهِ Up until there is no other beloved in your heart besides Allah. You do not end up loving anyone alongside Allah. Your heart, it is prohibited for it to combine Love of Allah alongside love of someone else. Obviously, he'll explain this as to what he means. He says that love is of two types. Love for the sake of Allah and love alongside Allah. Al-hub fillah wal-hub ma'allah. So as for this latter, al-hub ma'allah, this latter category, loving others alongside Allah, that is the one that is prohibited. That is the one that it, it isn't permissible for anyone to fall into. 
that you combine and you gather together in your heart love for Allah or love of Allah alongside another love another beloved person someone else that you love a sheikh an imam a peer a molvi regardless of who that person is that you end up loving them venerating them honoring them as Allah deserves to be loved as Allah deserves to be venerated once you do that when you do that you have muraqabah of someone else just as you have muraqabah of Allah you have consciousness of Allah watching you just as you have consciousness of Allah watching you when you do that then you have placed a partner alongside with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thus you've committed shirk akbar the shirk that rejects a person from the fold of Islam the one who does this it is not possible for him in any way shape or form to have any form of relaxation or alleviation in his heart in his chest there is another form of love though and that is the natural love normal natural love like the love that you have for your son the love that you have for your family the love that you have for money for wealth a natural love a natural inclination towards those things that there isn't prohibited why because that love doesn't contain khudur and it doesn't contain tadallul it doesn't contain submissiveness and being in a state of debasement submissive and debased before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it doesn't contain that state of being humble and submissive and subdued to your wife to your son to your to wealth it's not the mahabbah of ibadah so you loving your wife you loving your son you loving your family you loving wealth you loving these matters they are permitted dependent upon how far that love goes it can become something that is prohibited however this love as long as it doesn't have tadallul and khudur it's not considered the love of shirk it's not considered the love of associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Sheikh Muhammad Amman al-Jami he then he explains uh, you know he briefly comments comments upon the first category of mahabba that he mentioned al-mahabba fillah love for Allah love for Allah that is a great and beneficial and profitable form of love al-hub fillah tuhibbu awliya Allah shakhsan ta'taqidu fihi as-salah wa taqwa والاستقامه تحبه لا لشيء اخر بل لكونه وليا من اولياء الله عبدا صالحا لله محبا لله so you love a person a person from those that you consider from the awliya of Allah ally of Allah the allies of Allah what are the allies of Allah who are the allies of Allah who are the awliya of Allah awliya of Allah are those who have kashf that have unveilment and thus they can as they claim see the unseen the awliya of Allah are those who command you to make dhikr 1000 times and to think of their face are they the awliya of Allah the awliya of Allah are they the ones that say we have control over certain aspects over the universe they are not the awliya of Allah they are the awliya of a shaitan the awliya of Allah 
Allah he tells them ala inna awliya Allah la khawfun alayhim wala hum yahzanun the allies of Allah the awliya of Allah la khawfun alayhim there is no fear upon them neither shall they grieve alladhina amanu wa kanu yattaqun these are the conditions of the allies of Allah those who have iman and have taqwa then people who have these two characteristics they vary in degrees but the one who has these characteristics he is the one that is considered from the allies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala iman in Allah that is based upon knowledge knowledge of the sunnah iman that is based upon sunnah not iman that is based upon bid'ah therefore the one who is a fasiq from ahl sunnah the one that is a fasiq from the people of sunnah he is more righteous and more of an ally of Allah than the one that is an abid, a worshipper from Ahlul Bid'ah, a worshipper from the people of Bid'ah. So the one that is from the awliya of Allah, a person that you consider to be righteous, pious, upon uprighteous, upright, up, uprighteousness, you love him for no other thing other than him being an ally from the allies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَحْبَبْتَهُ لِكَوْنِهِ يُحِبُّ اللَّهِ هَذَا عَمَلٌ صَالِحٌ لِذَلِكَ إِذَا تَحَابَ إِثْنَانٌ فِي اللَّهِ وَاجْتَمَعَ عَلَى هَذِهِ الْمَحَبَّةِ وَافْتَرَقَ عَلَيْهَا يَكُونَانِ مِنَ الَّذِينَ يَظِلُّهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي ظِلِّهِ يَوْمَ لَا ظِلْ إِلَّا ظِلُّهُ So you love a person because he loves Allah. This is a righteous action of yours. You loving a Muslim brother of yours, a Muslim brother that you know to be righteous, that you know to be upon sunnah, you loving him, this is a righteous deed, a righteous action. For that reason, two people who love each other, they gather together upon the love of Allah, they depart upon the love of Allah. These people shall be under the shade of Allah, يعني, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on a day when there shall be no shade other than the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إذن فرق باب المحبة باب عظيم يجب أن يدرس طلاب العلم هذا الباب الإشراك في هذا الباب شيء خطير جدا. therefore we need to we need to distinguish and we need to determine and we need to ascertain between we need to separate between love for Allah and love alongside Allah. there's a difference. you love a person for Allah that's something separate. but you love him alongside Allah it's a big, dangerous matter. So it's a must for the people that are students of Islamic knowledge that they acquaint themselves of this matter because it's something that is extremely dangerous. لِذَلِكَ قَالْ وَمَحَبَّتُهُ بِكُلِّ الْقَلْبِ فَمَا شَرَحْنَا وَالْإِقْبَالَ عَلَيْهِ لَا تُقْبِلْ إِلَّا عَلَيْهِ لَا تَلْتَفِتْ بِقَلْبِكَ إِلَّا إِلَيْهِ So Ibn Al-Qaim, he says that we love Allah with all of our heart. That heart, that love, that is the love of ibadah, that love that contains tadallul and khudur, it contains humiliation, debasement, submission. That type of love should be directed only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The heart should direct such love only to Allah jalla wa'az. And you don't turn to anyone other than Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, that you enjoy worshipping Allah. 
that you enjoy and you find delight and you find pleasure in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This tana'um bi ibadatillah, this relishment and enjoying worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this will relax your chest. This will open up your chest. This will alleviate your, your chest from the tightness and the repression that it's feeling. You feel and you sense and you perceive this relaxation by worshipping him. But when does that occur? That occurs only when you single out Allah in worship. Single out Allah with love. Single out Allah with fear. As for when you associate others in love, in fear, in hope, those acts of worship that are exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, exclusively, exclusively deserve it to Allah jalla wa az. If you do this, then that is something that will not alleviate your chest. That is something that will bring about, that will bring about repression to your chest. And perhaps shaitan, he may come to you. Shaitan may say to you, if it's the case that you are deficient in fulfilling the right of Allah, then Allah is ghafoor, Allah is rahim. Allah is forgiving, Allah is merciful. If you commit shirk with Allah, remember Allah is forgiving. If you direct an act of worship of yours to someone besides Allah, to a saint in his grave, to a peer, then Allah is forgiving. If it's the case that you direct an act of worship that you should be directing to a peer, to a saint, then that peer, that saint, he will not forgive you. That peer, that saint, he will not forgive you. He will not pardon you. Allah is ghafoor, Allah is rahim. You fear Allah, but then if you direct that fear to someone besides him, Allah is ghafoor, Allah is rahim. If you don't fear that, that peer, if you don't fear that saint, if you don't fear that wali of Allah, he will not forgive you. Sheikh Muhammad Imam al-Jami, he says, don't think that we're exaggerating here. Don't think that this speech that we're coming with is exaggeration. No. Rather, this is the stance of many of those who follow the Sufi paths. Those whose hearts have become overwhelmed and overcome and subdued by love of their sheikhs. Love of their sheikhs has taken them to such an extent that they love them alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ibn al-Qaim, he says, وَالْإِقْبَالَ عَلَيْهِ وَحْدَهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَالْتَنَاعٌ بِعِبَادَتِهِ That you advance towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you enjoy worshipping him. You sense delight in worshipping him. Shaykh Muhammad Amal al-Jami, he says, there is nothing that can expand your chest more than this. More than advancing towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enjoying worshipping him. Taking pleasure in worshipping him. Shaykh Muhammad Amal al-Jami, he says, ask an experienced person. Ask somebody who's experienced this. Ask somebody who's tasted this. Don't ask a doctor. Don't ask a doctor about this aspect of alleviating the chest, relaxing the chest. <coughs> Don't ask a doctor. Is it the case that me enjoying worshipping my Lord is going to alleviate my chest? A doctor, he's not going to be able to, a physician, he's not going to be able to give you the answer because his is constrict his is limited his knowledge is is limited to the physical to the physical uh, uh, apparent aspects as for this 
worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enjoying worshipping him. This goes beyond the bodily aspect. This is in relation to your imam, to your soul. So Shaykh Muhammad Mawlana Jami, he says, Imam Al-Allamah Ibn Al-Qayyim من الذين لهم ذوق خاص في هذا المعنى لذلك يتحدث عن معرفة وعن إحساس وعن تجربة لا يتحدث حديث ناقل مثلنا ينقل كلام الناس إلى الناس لا إمام ابن القيم رحمه الله تعالى when he's saying this when he's saying that getting pleasure from worshipping Allah سبحانه وتعالى it relaxes you he's saying this because he's tasted it He's saying this because he's experienced it. He's not saying it like we are saying it, just relating it one person to another, relating it one person to another. Rather, he's saying it because he's tasted it. And then, Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, he says, فَلَا شَيْءٍ أَشْرَحْ لِصَدْرِ الْعَبْدِ مِنْ ذَلِكَ حَتَّى إِنَّهُ لَيَقُولْ أَحْيَانًا إِنْ كُنْتُ فِي جَنَّةِ فِي مِثْلِ هَذِهِ الْحَالَةِ فَإِنِّي إِذَنْ فِي عَيْشٍ طَيِّبٍ There is nothing that can expand your chest, alleviate and relax your chest more than this. To such an extent, Ibn Qayyim, he says, to such an extent that you may find a person saying, which person? A person who gets pleasure by worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may find him saying, if I am going to be in a Jannah that is like this, then indeed I'm going to be living a beautiful life, living a pleasurable life, living a good life. If Jannah is going to be like this, I experience right now in the dunya, I experience pleasure and delight, uh, alleviation and relaxation and joy and pleasure when I worship my Lord. If that pleasure that I'm experiencing right now is going to be found in Al-Jannah, then indeed I'm going to be in a good state. I'm going to be in a good condition. Right now, I'm in a Jannah. That's paradise on earth. Paradise on earth is worshipping Allah and getting delight and pleasure about it. Forgetting anything and everybody else, your mind is focused upon ikhlas. Your mind is focused upon sincerely dedicating that act of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because ikhlas and muraqabah has a reward that is mu'ajjal. Ikhlas and muraqabah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worshipping Allah, being conscious of Allah, watching you, all of that has a jaza mu'ajjal. It has a reward that is immediate, instantaneous, a reward that you acquire right now in this dunya. What is that reward? That reward is this relaxation of the chest, that joy that nothing, no words can describe. In a similar fashion, Adam al-Ikhlas, Adam al-Muraqabah, a lack of sincerity, a lack of being conscious that Allah is watching you, seeing you, hearing you, well aware of what you do. Ashirk billahi al-Azim. These matters, they likewise have al-Isa'ah, sinning against Allah, they have a jaza' mu'ajjal. They have an instantaneous, immediate, Reward, an immediate recompense. What's the recompense for Isa'a then? What's the recompense for sinning? Aywa, tightness. That's why you find so many of these rich people, 
mega millionaires, multi-billionaires, and you find them, so-and-so, he's committed suicide. So-and-so, he hung himself. So-and-so, he shot himself. So-and-so, he attempted suicide, and now he's going to give a lecture about his experience and blah, blah, blah. All of these people, they have money, they have fame, they have fortune. Yet why is it the case that they want to take away their own lives, that life that is meant to be considered the most precious thing to them? Because their life is absolutely dark and gloomy, suffocating, it's horrible, scary, frightening life that they are living in. And therefore, they take on the option of taking their own lives. Why? Because Isa'a laha jaza'un mu'ajjal. Sinning against Allah has a jaza that is instant and immediate. So, Imam Ibn Qayyim, he's saying that the one who worships Allah, at times you might find him saying, if I'm going to be in a jannah that is similar to the jannah that I've got in the dunya, i.e. the pleasure of worshipping Allah, if I'm going to have that same delight that I'm experiencing when I worship Allah, in the afterlife, then indeed I'm going to be in a, in a good state. <clears throat> and then uh, Imam Ibn Qayyim, he says, He then goes on to say, Love, which love? Love of uh, your uh, money, your love of a woman, or love of a partner, love of dunya, no, love of Allah. Love of Allah has a, an amazing, Ibn al-Qayyim, his words. Love of Allah has an amazing effect in, relaxi, in, relax, in relaxing the chest and bringing about pleasure and uh, yani pleasure to the soul and delight to the heart. And none knows this except the one that has experienced it, who has yani experienced it, sensed it, perceived it, tasted it. But when does this mahabbah occur? هذه المحبه لا تتحقق إلا بالإقبال الكامل وعدم الانشغال بغير الله. This type of love it occurs with a complete advancement towards Allah and a lack of being preoccupied with anything besides Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. As for the one that causes himself to become preoccupied with other than the worship of Allah, other than obedience to him, other than following his deen. But rather he ends up preoccupying himself with futile matters. And this type of love he will not attain. And nobody knows this except the one that has tasted this. Ibn Qayyim he says, وَكُلَّمَا كَانَتْ الْمَحَبَّةِ أَقْوَى وَأَشَدِّ كَانَ الصَّدَرْ أَفْصَحْ وَأَشْرَحْ And therefore, the more the love becomes stronger, the more the love becomes intensified, then the more the chest will become widened and 
alleviated. For that reason, Sheikh Muhammad Aman al Jami, he says, for that reason, you find, in spite of the tremendous amount of trial and tribulation and calamity that these righteous men, these righteous people, the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah and those that followed their footsteps and the prophets first and foremost, in spite of the tremendous amount of trial and difficulty and problems that their enemies put them through, of being expelled from their homeland, of being imprisoned. In spite of all of that, these scholars, these prophets, these righteous men, they weren't people who were living suffocating lives. What is it that proves that? What is it that proves that? For example, the Sheikh of Ibn Qayyim himself, as we mentioned before, never ever did his enemies give him any rest. Ibn Taymiyyah, Never did, his never did he find any type of rest from his enemies. His enemies continuously pestering him, continuously persecuting him, continuously on his back. But in spite of that, in spite of all of that, when did Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, in spite of all of that, if you look at the authorships of Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, when did he author these, these authorships? When did he write these treaties? When did he write these books that many are inca incapable today of being able to comprehend? These books, <clears throat> while Imam Ibn Taymiyyah was imprisoned, when he was expelled, when he was banished from his homeland, he starts to write these books. He's imprisoned and he starts to write these books. He's imprisoned and he's in a state of worship and khalwa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's in prison and he becomes busy and preoccupied in authorship and in teaching. يطرد إلى الإسكندرية إلى القاهدة إلى القاهرة يتربع على كرسي في مسجد من المساجد فيدرس لا يشغله الطرد. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, he is banished. Uh, he is put in prison in Cairo. He is put in prison in Alexandria. He is expelled from his land. What does he do? He finds a seat in a masjid, he sits on a seat in a masjid, and he begins to teach in that masjid. He teaches in the prison. He authors in the prison. He doesn't allow these matters to cause him to become, to become uh, 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 preoccupied from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, preoccupied from teaching, preoccupied from learning, preoccupied from obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِأَنَّهُ لَا يَحِسُ هَذَا الَّذِي يَحِسُ أَحَدُنَا عندما, ما عِنْدَمَا يَحْصُلُ لَهُ أَيُّ شَيْءٍ أو أَيُّ إِبْتِلَاءٍ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُهُ وَيُقَصِّرْ فِي آدَاءِ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَتَعْلِيمِ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ أَمَّا هُمْ يَعْنِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ فَهُمْ لَا Sheikh Muhammad Amman al-Jami, he says This type of experience, this type of sensation we, we don't experience that, do we? When we are struck with problems, when we are struck with problems in life, when we are struck with calamities in life, what do we do? Absolute opposite. Imagine you're being persecuted, you've got problems, you're being banished from your homeland. Not just that, just a small problem like a big bill comes through, through the post, and you're like, what do I do? 
that type, sometimes you find a big bill comes through, oh money, what am I going to do? You start to see the brother no longer attending the circles of knowledge. Brother, why are you not coming to the circles of knowledge anymore? Akhi, I've got big problems in my life right now. A person, he has a marital problem, then all of a sudden, he stops coming to the masjid. He stops studying. He stops getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What should be happening? The absolute opposite should be happening. When it's the case that you're being tested, you should be more frequent at the masjid. More frequent at the circles of knowledge. More, more consistent. More consistent in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should be striving more to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at Ibn Taymiyyah, he's in prison. That is where he was authoring. That is where he was teaching. That is where he was giving da'wah. When the people are tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that test in reality, it brings them close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. هذا دليل على أنهم وصلوا إلى أن حسوا هذا الذي يتحدثون عنه. This is a proof. This is indeed a proof. The fact that when they are tested, the righteous, Ahlul Ilm, the ulama, the scholars, and those that they inherited from, the prophets, the righteous, these people when they are tested, you find that they become even closer to Allah. And they are, they, they are even more alleviated, even more relaxed. We'll give, a, we'll give an example. A beautiful statement. A beautiful statement from one of the ulama of our time. From the ulama of Yemen, Al-Imam, Al-Alama, Imam Muqbil, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. A beautiful statement that he made, which is connected to this. But the ulama, Ahlul Ilm, righteous men, those that are, that we consider to be from the allies of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and we don't praise anyone above Allah, and Allah is their reckoner at the end of the day. But that is what we see from them. So these Ahlul Ilm and these righteous men, these righteous scholars, they are the ones that when the dunya problems become plentiful, it's like it doesn't bother them. We wish that we were like them. We wish that we could be like them. So Imam Muqbil in his Muqaddimah to Al-Musnad Al-Sahih, Al-Musnad Al-Sahih is a collection of ahadith of Sheikh Muqbil that he gathered together. That are sahih, that are authentic. Those ahadith that are not found in the two sahihs of Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim. يعني الجامع الصحيح مما ليس في الصحيحين. So in his in his مقدمه, he says, he says, أما بعد فإني أحمد الله فإني أحمد الله سبحانه وتعالى الذي وفقني لطلب العلم النافع وهيأ لي سبله. وحبب إلي سنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وبغض إلي البدعة فله الحمد حتى يرضى So he says as to what proceeds Then I praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has given me the success in pursuing knowledge in seeking beneficial knowledge and Allah he has prepared for me the paths, the avenues of seeking this knowledge, he has prepared and made ready for me the paths of seeking knowledge. And he has made beloved to me the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. And he has made bid'ah hated to me. I, 
is made bid'ah uh, detestable to me. So to him belongs praise up until he is pleased. And indeed, I by the by the praise of Allah, I love the book of Allah. I love the book of my my Lord, and I love the honorable Sunnah of His Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, especially the two Sahihs. Especially the two Sahihs. Which two Sahihs is he talking about? Bukhari wa Muslim. So here's a shahid. It's a little little uh, little point that the Sheikh mentions. This is the point that we're trying to make. He says, وَالْقِرَاءَةَ فِيهِمَا عِنْدِي أَحْلَى لَظَّحْ فِي الدُّنْيَا He says, reading them to. Reading which two? Sahih Bukhari wa Sahih Muslim. Reading Sahih Bukhari, أَحْلَى لَظَّحْ That is the most delicious, most pleasurable matter to me. It is the most sweetest taste to me. It is the most sweetest flavor to me. It is the most sweetest, sweetest, sweetest form huh, of pleasure and delight for me. He didn't say the sweetest pleasure for me is a Mars bar or the sweetest pleasure for me huh, is cookie dough. Rather, he said the sweetest pleasure for me is what? Reading Sahih Bukhari, reading Sahih Muslim in the whole dunya. قال الإمام البخاري حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال حدثنا مالك He says indeed when I open up Sahih al-Bukhari and I read Imam al-Bukhari he said Yusuf ibn uh, Abdullah ibn Yusuf narrated to us who said Malik narrated to us يعني the chain of narration the isnad in the hadith Sheikh Muqbil he then says أو فتحت صحيح مسلم أو فتحت صحيح مسلم وقلت قال الإمام مسلم رحمه الله حدثنا يحيى ابن يحيى قال قرأت على مالك أنسى جميع مشاغل الدنيا ومشاكلها. Or when I read from Sahih Muslim, Imam Muqbil he says, when I read from Sahih Muslim and I say, Imam Muslim he said, يحيى ابن يحيى he narrated to us that Ali ibn Malik that I uh, read to Ali ibn Malik. Imam Muqbil, he says that when I read this, Ansa Jamia Mashahil Dunya Wamashakilaha. I end up forgetting. I end up forgetting all the preoccupations of the dunya and its problems. All the difficulties of the dunya and its problems. The bills, the debt. The people that are on my case, the people that are after me. Sheikh Mukbil, do you think that he lived a nice, uh, easy life? If you've seen his house, if you've seen where he lived, he lived in what? Nice stone bricked house? No. Mud house. Mud hut. You know, when it rained, when it rains, the mud, it would end up, uh, it would end up uh, like disintegrating. Uh, when it would be hard and heavy rain you come into your room a room that's made out of mud and you find that your room is flooded your mattress is flooded and because the windows aren't pvc uh, what do you call them pvc eh? double glazing they're just a piece of plastic the rain seep through the window and even your house the actual mud of your house 
It's disintegrating. That is the house that he lived in. You think that's a problem? Food, scarce. Water. You want water, you open up. Uh, not even the tap. In, you go to the well and there's no water coming out. You might, there might be a tap. You open up the tap. You, the water starts dripping in drops. You have to wait for the can to become filled. That's, what the, that's the type of life that they're living there. Electricity. Electricity at certain times. Not just that. Sheikh Mukbil, he had people that were after him. People say, oh, boys are after me. They want to do me over. Meaning they want to beat me up. Sheikh Mukbil, people are after him because they want to kill him. Why do they want to kill him? Because he calls to Tawheed. He calls to Tawheed in a place that is spread with shirk. That when they trip over, they say, Ya Ali. When they stumble, they say, Ya Fatima. So Sheikh Mukbil, in a place like that, he denounces the shirk that they're upon. He calls to Tawheed. He calls to Sunnah. He wages war against Al-Bid'ah. And as a wages war by his pen against Al-Bid'ah. And thus as a result of that, they want to kill him. Attempts were made to kill him. Shoot him. Blow him up. In spite of that, Sheikh Muqbil, he says, ah, When I open up Sahih Bukhari, when I open up Sahih Muslim, and I read Imam Muslim, he said, so-and-so narrated, that so-and-so narrated, that so-and-so narrated. That Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, that the Messenger of Allah said, when I read that, ah, I forget all of the mashaqil of the dunya and its mashaqil, the preoccupations and the problems of, of the dunya. So the point is here, this is the state of Ahlul Ilm, the people of knowledge, the people of righteousness, those people that are true to the knowledge that they learnt, that in spite of the problems that they are afflicted with and the calamities that they are afflicted with, because they have this tana'um, this tana'um, this delight and joy by worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their chests become relaxed and alleviated. So what we'll do, we'll uh, conclude at this point, and then insha'Allah ta'ala, next week we'll continue with the rest of the statements of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim. Allah Ta'ala a'lam wa sallillahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.